Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello, and welcome back to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. My name is Lisa. I'm your host. And in today's episode, I want to talk about a coach's thoughts behind training programming. Before we get into the episode, though, welcome back to all you returning listeners and to anyone who is new to the show. Don't forget to subscribe, to rate the show, to share it on your social media. It is the best way to help us grow. So why do I want to talk about training programming? First and foremost, so that you can identify what is a good program, but also what is a good program for you and what isn't. When we first think about the creation of a training program, we usually want to take four things equally into consideration. Your goal, your experience, your injuries, your time availability, and your equipment. All of these are incredibly important and we can create a program or pick the right program if we are neglecting one or the other. You don't want to start an advanced training program if you're super, super new. You don't want to pick a training program that has five or six days of lifting if you only have three times 40 minutes per week. You don't want to pick a training program which is a dumbbell only or kettlebell only program if you are actually able to go to a um, fully equipped gym. And of course, you don't want to pick a training program that's mostly designed for strength acquisition when you're actually mostly after hypertrophy. And this is probably the well, I mean, most overlapping kind of aspect, um, but at the same time, there are certain distinguish distinguishing features of such programs um, that we can look out for. So again, talking about goal, of course, we can have performance goals, we can have health goals, we can have um, aesthetic goals, and most people have a little bit um, of all of them, but we usually, with nutrition coaching and life, focus mostly on the aesthetic component. That is not to say that health and performance increases won't happen, but because most people come to us with specific wishes such as, I want to lose fat, I want to recomp my body at maintenance, I want to aim for hypertrophy, we are we just look at most things more through the lens of aesthetic changes. Um, so as I just alluded to strength and hypertrophy gains are most likely going to happen at the same time, but two different um, measures depending on what sort of training program you're following. Let's just say if you're picking a training program, which mostly has rep ranges in like three sets of three or three sets of five, you're going to increase strength more rather than actually um, having your muscle hypertrophy. Whereas if you pick a training program that is more in like the 10, 12 rep ranges, a little bit higher, a little bit lower weights, um, then you might not get as strong, but you might drive hypertrophy just a little bit more. Of course, there is going to be, like I said, overlap. There's going to be hybrid programs um, and every and so many other th- factors play a role here like rest time etc but yeah generally for nonetheless for hypertrophy fat loss and recomp um, we are talking about the same thing here we want to aim f- for something that um, stimulates muscle growth while also 
um, initiating fat loss. And the fat loss mostly is going to be determined by your calories, of course, um, but also potentially adding in some cardio. Is it needed? Um, what sort of cardio, etc.? So those are other considerations. Um, when, we th when we talk about goals, we also want to consider your why. Like, is your why that in eight months' time you have a physical test for your work that you want to ace? Or is your why that in 50 years' time you still want to be super, super healthy to pick up your grandchildren? And you might have both, but um, one might, over, might be more important to you than the other, so we want to focus on the more um, prominent thing, I guess. And yeah, in, in, in terms of the differences between recomp, fat loss, hypertrophy, like when it comes to your goal setting, we have spoken about this several times in the past um, in terms of how to increase your metabolism, what shaping really means, aka building muscle, losing fat, <laughs> and so on. So we don't want to get hung up by that. But in the following discussion, I'm mostly going to address those three at the same time, so hypertrophy and not as much for people that might have a pure strength focus or a pure performance focus, let's just say with Olympic lifts or um, in the sense of being the most well-rounded athlete, as I said, really more from an aesthetic perspective. When it comes to the experience, this plays a huge role as well, not just in terms of what kind of uh, hypertrophy we can expect in the following weeks or as you start your training program, but of course also when it comes to your exercise selection. For someone who is completely new to resistance training, body weight training can totally be sufficient for the first little while. That doesn't mean if you're more experienced you can't benefit from some body weight movement. That doesn't mean that if you're totally new you can't benefit from a few machines or tools or so here and there but for example so I'll uh, backtrack a little bit when it comes to my own personal training um, story um, right out of high school I I got into a sports university for this particular sports university you had to do 20 different segments of a performance test in one single day so that would have been basketball, a few elements of track and field, we had to do some swimming, we had to um, have a racket sport in there, and you were only allowed to fail one aspect. So uh, up leading up to that, I was really mostly training sports. I wasn't doing any strength training. And then as I got into this university, um, they had all these weight rooms were, which we could use for free as students and I had put on a little bit of weight from traveling prior to starting university so I was like okay I probably should give this a go and I like literally just went in there doing some random stuff I think I did three sets of 10 for like just that circuit that was sort of set up with the machines didn't push myself just picked the same weights all the time but nonetheless because I was so new to strength training I did actually see a little bit more definition and so on. And then I kind of got away from that after university. I um, got more into like just running and yoga. Um, 
but through yoga with like all the yoga push-ups and core strength and so I became more interested in simple body weight training and so literally during that second part of um, university because I transferred universities um, from this amazing sports university where we had I'm not even joking we had like 17 different gymnasiums is what we call them so like uh, big sports halls and two different stadiums and and this is a university literally just for sports students um so it it, it was a cool time <laughs> but anyway I wanted to transfer over to a different university in New Zealand mostly for the physical location of that university and the sports program was by like definitely inferior to the other university and um the 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 cost of living everything else was more expensive too so i was like i'm a greedy greedy college student i'm not going to sign up to a gym i'm just going to do body weight stuff so from yoga transferred into um at that time all these youtube videos um started coming out where it's like 20 minutes of hit type of thing and and i saw like in incredible improvements not and was not just to hit I did like one workout I did every single week and that was like a push-up workout with 12 different push-up variations or so and I paired that with with running but um yeah I built a really good base and then I eventually as I finished university um uh, and had a little bit more money uh started with CrossFit and the one of the first things the instructor said like oh wow you have built up you have an incredible core strength and even for pull-ups um the thing though when it comes to lower body movements um if you're somewhat fit I would say after six or eight months um we need some additional weight because you can only do so many jump squats and single leg box squats and whatever in order to really put more pressure on your spine too which is what we want we do want to um challenge your spine in that way and we we do need to bring in some heavier weights for like deadlifts and so on but anyway this little ramble was just a bit of a story to um share that i actually started off with like two years or so of just or at least a year and a half um, of just um, body weight straining really like when I think of my actual real beginnings of resistance training so to speak um, and with body weight exercises you can still do so many different variations particularly for the upper body like I mean we will consider like pull-ups body weight exercises as well you can do single-legged squats as I was alluding to and it really gives you a good chance to actually connect with your body and to set as I said a beautiful healthy foundation um yeah so just the encouragement here of course the more advanced you get the more equipment is going to be probably beneficial for you that doesn't always mean that the more the better but if we think about bodybuilders which are like these specialists in terms of um optimizing every little symmetry and muscle of their body they do a lot of isolation work for a reason most people are probably going to fall somewhere in between that and so for a lot of people barbell dumbbell kettlebell some bands is going to be absolutely sufficient so nonetheless as i said we do want to consider um equipment overall and we will always 
try to make do with what we got. Something is almost always better than nothing. But again, more is not always better. And at some point we might get some diminishing returns. And that's actually also something that happened to me when I just had a barbell and very limited equipment available, mostly during COVID actually. Um, my I really started getting elbow pain, um, a little bit of elbow tendonitis, but also just like my grip strength would give out because for all of my workouts, all the time, no matter how, um, yeah, okay, aside from a few body weight exercises, um, I had to almost always use my grip strength. So meaning if I wanted to do um, just a single leg deadlift or anything, you know, you always have to hold on to a barbell, to a kettlebell, so to um, a dumbbell. And so actually from that then, switching to a gym program um, where my the volume didn't actually change, but I was just using more machines, so had to grip onto things less. Um, my forearm and my my elbow got better pretty much after a couple couple of months. So, you know, sometimes we think, ah, um, oh, the gym is like 10, 15 minutes away. I don't want to sign up. I have everything at home. Yes, but if you are someone who is injured, who tends to um, have certain niggly spots, it might still be worth it. But in saying that, I am a total fan of um, home gyms as well. <laughs> um, another thing where people sometimes start getting diminishing returns is when we look at the training splits. So some of the principles that I usually consider is that we do want to hit most muscle groups twice a week, very generally speaking, for hypertrophy. So if you follow a training program that does um, three upper body days and one lower body day, that's not going to be ideal if you want to grow grow your glutes. So look, take a look at the program and see what is my, again, what is my goal? Do I have a particular body part or area that I uh, really want to grow or want to focus on shaping my arms, etc. Am I still giving or hitting enough volume for this particular body part? Um, so another thing is, let's just say you or you might ask, why does the typical bodybuilder style split for work for a lot of people then? That's a great question because um, in the end, it does come down to total weekly training volume however if you think about your yourself and you picture yourself um doing one day just arm push work let's just say like just chest flies bench press you know a shoulder press etc are you really going to be able by the end of this workout to have the same weights to push as hard as you can or would you possibly be able to use heavier weights if you did half of these exercises on a Tuesday and half of them on a Thursday? So if we're equating for total volume, um, a bodybuilder style split can work, but also keeping in mind that most of these people train five or six days per week and the general population usually doesn't have that amount of time. So especially if you quote-unquote, just train three times per week, which is absolutely sufficient. If you do it the right way, then 
usually we want to opt for a full body split just so that you are um, increasing your chances of hitting all these muscle groups <clears throat> at least twice per week. Um, as soon as we get higher than that, for example, with a four-day split, I personally and um, as a coach prefer to give my clients an upper-lower split because generally speaking, <coughs> excuse me, that's going to allow for better recovery between the sessions. And um, sometimes people also find it easier mentally con to connect to said body parts if it's a body part split. I know that for myself, I actually don't enjoy training full body splits because um, when I, I like going into a session knowing what part of my body to focus on and then somehow I feel like my mind-muscle connection is higher if it's a, a smaller area of my body as well. Um, so again, the fewer training sessions we have, the more likely we will go into a full body split. That doesn't mean that with a four or even five day split, you can't also have a full day split, but it does have to be a really good training program that's kind of giving certain muscle groups enough rest between sessions. Um, so on average, we would like to see 48 hours before hitting a muscle group again or a specific muscle again. Um, overall, also, the fewer training sessions you have, the more compound lifts you pro will probably see in there. If you think about the time restraint, let's just say you have a certain amount of tasks. And if you only have three days to complete those tasks, you might try to do a lot more multitasking <laughs> than if you had six days to do those tasks where you could um, single out specific tasks. I don't know if that's a good comparison, but I hope you know what I mean. So if you have less time, you might also see more things like um, supersets or even trisets or giant sets, something like that. Whereas if you have more time, then you might, uh, again, use more of a focused one exercise type of approach. Um, generally, again, um, we do want to see the main lifts, the squat, the deadlift and the press in any reasonably good training program. However, that doesn't mean um, it might not be switched out from time to time for a Bulgarian split squat instead of the regular squat or for a single leg, leg deadlift instead of a full legged uh, or um, two-legged <laughs> deadlift. Um, and this is a tool that you can also use if you're injured in certain things and your program sa says regular deadlift, but you're like, oh, it was one leg, I tweaked something, okay, I'm just going to um, switch that over. As long as the movement pattern stays the same, and you can also consider that if you're feeling really stressed certain days, and you want to put less stress on your central nervous system, so less stress on your spine essentially also, um, switching from double-legged to single-legged variations can be super, super helpful. Again, like I mentioned, we generally want to have one full day of rest between hitting a body part. Again, that works best for most people. Um, but this is also highly individual. Some people recover quicker than others. Some people need two days of rest um, between uh, hitting the same same body part again. My, it's, it might be a little bit of my personal bias and from my experience and with clients that 
generally that amount of rest between a session is is um is good for not just hypertrophy but also the central nervous system. Um, again, I, I already shared that I personally love an upper-lower split. I have been doing an upper-lower split probably for four years now, four years I'm thinking. Before that, with CrossFit, of course, you do basically do a full-body split all the time. I enjoy training an upper with an upper-lower split mostly for the compartmentalization. You might be pulled differently, you might feel like that gets boring. Uh, I have tried a push-pull legs program as well, which is quite fun. And I've tried a body part split as well, which I didn't enjoy that much. I just felt like it was too much for a certain body part in one day. And like I said, the full body split really didn't work for me um, long term when it came to CrossFit, just because it was rather exhausting. So when we look at the individual session now, um, this might not come to a surprise, but we want to warm up, just general warm up for three to five minutes. And so it could be on the Stairmaster, on the bike, um, rower, whatever, doing a little bit of mobilization, especially in those parts that we want to work on. You know, if you have a lower body day, then maybe doing some lunges. <clears throat> um, I don't advise any passive stretching here. So nothing where you're standing still, I wouldn't do like the splits or whatever and just trying to hold that as long as possible for a minute. I would do something that's kind of like activating. Then before going into your main lifts, in most training programs, we want to see some sort of activation work. So let's just assume you were going to do um, squat as your first main exercise. Then maybe before that, you might see something like three rounds of 10 air squats, 15 lunges, and 20 sit-ups. For, not for time, just to start getting these joints a little bit more um, activated and then the muscles a bit more moving. Some, some people also call these um, primers, although a primer for me is more something that might contain a more of a central nervous system activation component. So that could be after those three sets of the three exercises for general mobilization. It might be something like do three sets of your maximal box jump or um, just something that's a little bit more explosive. It could also just be a jumping squat. That would probably be a reasonably good central nervous system activation. Um, <clears throat> In bodybuilding, we will also sometimes find something called pre-fatigue sets. So again, going back to the example of the squats, and you might have a hard time connecting with your, your glutes in the squat. You might mostly be using your quads. If that is the case, we could try something like um, bodyweight Bulgarian split squats on each side until you like oh, just one burnout set essentially until you can't go anymore and until you really feel those glutes or maybe a better example because a lot of people also still really use their quads a lot in the Bulgarian split squat a better example might be uh, hip thrusts to fatigue and then doing your squats so that the the glutes are more activated for the actual squats now, when we start the lift, main lifts, we still want to do 
warm-up sets or build-up sets for all of the main lifts. So the first one might be just with the empty barbell, then you might put on 25 pounds on each side or less, I don't know, um, do another eight reps and then add a little bit more, do another eight reps, and then you found your challenging weight for the day for these eight reps or whatever. Challenging meaning the right amount of rate of perceived exertion or reps in reserve or percentages depending on your training program. I generally say that even for main lifts, it should feel <clears throat> like you only have one or two, maybe three at the most reps left in the tank for this particular exercise. So feeling like this is your absolute <clears throat> maximum. So essentially, um, basically meaning that when you complete your last rep, you should really feel like you only have one or two repetitions left. In, um, sorry, I, I was just looking at my notes here. In describing, so RPE stands for rate of perceived exertion, RIR stands for reps and reserve. We don't like to use percentages that much anymore because it doesn't take daily form into consideration. So if you've had a crappier sleep, your 70% is not going to be the same as if you had a really good night's sleep. Nonetheless, I do think overall people, even though like I try to hone in that we don't want to over fatigue, we don't want to overtrain, etc. Most people generally overestimate how close to failure they really are. So they might say, oh, I feel like I only had one or two left in the tank when they actually were still able to do like five. So from time to time, it really does pay off to test what is your true failure, especially on the accessory lifts, because um the risk injury is just that much lower on that front so for instance with a leg curl or with a biceps curl you really um push it until you can't anymore and at least then you know what the the true reps and preserve or what the true weight is that you should be lifting lifting so yeah with with accessory work we can certainly say like i want to want you to only have one uh, rep left in the tank at most. We can pretty much push that to failure most of the time. Um, again, you don't need to feel like you're breaking yourself every time though. I saw this post the other day that said um, a lot of people or confuse training hard with training at high intensity. So meaning you can really get an amazing pump on, you can really push the weights but the intensity doesn't have to be hard. If we really want to train at high intensity, for example, also with certain things like an EMOM or like a, um, like really short rest times with more of a Metcon style training or just, just generally, you know, that would be with, with a high heart rate. Um, we probably shouldn't do that all too often. So I, I, quite, I quite liked that um, post that said basically, Training hard is not the same as training at high intensity. Another encouragement here would be to stick with the rest times that are indicated in your program. If your program does not have any rest times indicated, please check with the person that created the program or um, 
just assess for yourself what the best rest times might be. We don't want to undercut those and at the same time we don't want to overcut those. So, you know, uh, don't play on your phone for five minutes if it's just an accessory work and you're in between sets. If you're doing really heavy deadlifts and it's meant to be, you know, a minimum of three minutes rest, this might be okay. <laughs> so just assess where you're at. Is generally speaking, if we have shorter rest times, let's just say somewhere between 45 to 90 seconds, that's probably more of a hypertrophy focused training. And if it's, you know, three, five minutes or more, it's probably more of a strength focused. So um, when it comes to the accessory work, overall, we really want to make sure we're addressing imbalances, we're addressing weaknesses. Um, everyone has a, a stronger side than another side. I actually just realized this myself, that I, I remembered that I had pulled my, part of my left hamstring probably three years ago now. And when I do leg curls, when I do them with both legs, I really don't notice anything. Or even during deadlifts, I don't notice anything. But when I do single-legged leg curls, my left leg is a ton weaker than my right leg. So it's um, it's super interesting to see or to see that you can sometimes, um, I guess, uh, almost trick yourself. Like, again, I, I hardly noticed this until, until I just started working on more leg, leg curls in the gym. Because even when I do it with a Swiss ball, I actually never really noticed it. I must not have fully extended my leg. Um, so form is super important overall, but maybe not quite as important during the last couple of reps when it comes to isolation work. Um, so we can sometimes use a little bit of body English. That's absolutely fine. We don't want to start a set with already using momentum, but the last couple of reps, absolutely um, fine if we use a little bit of momentum here. Now, if you want to incorporate skill work, we still we want to take that into consideration too. Um, for most people, it will be most beneficial to incorporate the skill work at the beginning. So for more advanced athletes or people that come from a CrossFit background, that could be things like muscle-ups, double-unders, handstand work, etc. Because in the beginning, we're still kind of fresh. So it should be somewhere between or after your mobilization and warm-up. And, and before the main strength part, so maybe as part of the central nervous system activation. Now, if you don't really care too much about skill work or you're like, eh, I don't really have anything that I want to work on, still some um, uh, like motor control type things, skipping, for instance, could be a good thing to incorporate. You can do that at the end, though. That would be fine. Or some ladder drills from time to time. Um, just, yeah, for coordination, certainly a great component to have in there and as I said if you do want to have cardio in there or if we do consider for your current goal it is important for us to have some sort of cardio in there we do need to consider how far into your cut are you are you generally a stressed person or not is adding higher intensity kind of cardio like a circuit or an AMRAP or emo going to add to your stress load so driving cortisol up or um um, so if that would be the case, then we would rather want to go with low intensity steady state cardio, especially also if you're more deeper into a fat loss phase already in a calorie deficit. The thing that is often really underappreciated is the wind down, the cool down. And I don't even mean 
physical cool down, but more of a mental wind down. So this could even be just three to five minutes of um, down-regulatory breathing. It could be something like putting on some calming music, um, starting with your already having your post-workout shake, or maybe just sitting on, laying on the ground, putting your feet up on the wall. It, the point of this post-workout wind down really is not necessarily, oh, it's going to be so beneficial or so much more beneficial for hypertrophy. The biggest aspect really is that it brings your, or activates your parasympathetic nervous system, meaning it will help you initiate recovery faster, meaning you have more time and to recover in a better way. This sounds like it would be a really, really long training program overall, but if we really wanted to, we could cut that down to 40 minutes. So five minutes of a warm-up um, with a bit of mobility, five minutes for the priming exercises, then one or two main lifts, probably total of about 20 minutes, and then two or four accessory exercises, so 10 to 20 minutes, especially if we superset them. Um, and then, yeah, if you added three to five minutes of wind down time or so, that would be 45 minutes in total. If you only have such a short amount of time, then it would be really important to um, be organized, to look at the program beforehand, to not play with your phone throughout the set, to really stick with the rest times. Um, I would also make sure to write down what sort of weights you have used in any case, but especially if you are pressed for time so that next time you know what to go off of or what to beat so that you can, um, yeah, su super basically get that super compensation that we're, we're after. Um, so consider your overall training goals. That would be really the biggest point. Um, again, not just in the sense of strength versus hypertrophy versus anything else, but also just in particular when it comes to specific body parts. And let's not forget that consistency, no matter what, does play the biggest role. So even if you think right now you can start off with a five-day training program, you really um, look at you know the busy times of the year and think, can I even maintain that when my kids are super busy in school, when I need to drop them off here and there, and um, maybe start off with just a four- or three-day tra training program it's a lifelong journey um, and consistency is, good, is what is going to move the needle the most in the long term. It's going to be much better if you can continue with a three-day program in throughout 51 weeks of the year or 48 rather than 26 weeks with a five-day program and the other weeks no program. So anyway, I hope you found this helpful. If you have any questions in regards to training program, please don't hesitate to reach out and remember that we also offer some great training programs through our app, um, three, four, five-day training programs, hypertrophy or strength-focused or um, a nice little hybrid, and we'd love to help you out. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode on social. Very much appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nutrition Coaching and Life or head to our website, www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com, where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day. Now go out and work on your best self.